in the scheme of things, what's the problem? We're probably all going to die. We get that all the time. What we don't get all the time is executives threatening to kill people. Guys, I need to, like, what? I have a cookie. I have several, actually. Oh, see, mine was almost the same thing. It was dog food. <laughs> a pregnant loudspeaker. Yeah, whatever. What? How does that happen? That happens. It's going to be too late for me to make World Cup jokes. Ah, because who does? I tried that. It doesn't work. They're horrendous. Other people need to charge devices too, you know. Just the two of us probably have the carbon footprint of a small village. Oh my god, Jesus Christ, I cannot even... Welcome to Troublesome Terps, the podcast about things that keep interpreters up at night. Today's show tackles one subject we're very sure every listener, absolutely every listener, will have an opinion on. But before we get there, it's time to welcome to the program our regular team of clever co-hosts. First up, the man from missions, Eurostar-loving, tech-thinking, app-geeking superstar, Alexander Drexel. Oh, you're being too kind, Jonathan. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> and yes, I'm indeed a big fan of, of using the Eurostar. And uh, we'll certainly talk about trains and planes, or maybe trains versus planes on the show tonight. Oh, foreshadowing. <laughs> And second to the stage, we have bag-grabbing, luggage-rolling, plane-taking Bavarian sensation, Alexander Gansmeyer. Hey, guys. Flying in on a jet plane right into your podcast stream. Hi. <laughs> Hi. And I am pun-loving, case-wheeling, hot chocolate-drinking, flight junkie. I love my aircraft. Jonathan Downey. <laughs> hey, Jonathan. We, I think we should talk about the hot chocolate as well. I, I seem to sense that... Uh, <laughs> Sort of a, an obsession almost with the hot chocolate, which is great. It's probably healthier than coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <as> you've... <laughs> see, see I, I am becoming the king of the early morning flight. Yes. Um, recently, I had, we, we call them in English red eye flights because mm. your eyes feel like someone's just tried to poke them out with a stick by oh, the end yeah. of the flight. Um, I had a red eye flight down to London for the launch of the ITI Research Network. And trust me, that morning, I really needed my hot chocolate. The sugar kept me going until we landed. <laughs> and then when the, the aircraft landed, I realized I was, I was in Heathrow. And I was like, I'm going to need another one just to get out of this place. <laughs> but then you need one with a shot, like an Irish hot chocolate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not in the morning. <laughs> it was one of those mornings where I was like, I'm a Scotsman, just give me some iron brew. I didn't actually drink any oh, iron brew. I feel oh, like John. I needed it by three o'clock. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's not talk about iron brew. Iron brew, okay? <laughs> it was just so pleasant with our chocolate. Yeah. Well, anyways, you've probably uh, noticed by now, dear listeners, we're uh, taking on the subject of travel in this episode, which is just in time with the summer, of course. And we'll talk about all the things that you will need uh, and that we usually do to make our voyages a success. So this is uh, um, going to come in handy for your next assignment or even for your upcoming summer holidays. So let's jump right in. And I think we need to talk about trains versus planes, because when we prepared <laughs> this episode, we kind of noticed that I'm the train person on the panel and the two others are more of plane people so um why do i why do i like trains so much i don't know i think uh, I'm, I'm just more used to taking trains because i took my first flight actually I, I thought about this when i was 18 
which is I think quite quite late nowadays. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I just like trains. I think it's a more civilized way of traveling. But that's just me, yeah. maybe. You obviously haven't been on too many British trains, that's for sure. I have, actually. <laughs> see, see I, I am the son of a railwoman, so my dad worked for ScotRail for 35 years. That's true, yeah. And, and growing up, all of our family holidays were basically, well, where can we go on the train? We were talking about this at dinner tonight, actually. Um, so, you know, we, we went to Ayr, we went to Girvin, we went to Ardross, and all the places that had the beach that were a couple of hours train ride away. Um, but the problem is, is that now I've gotten into business travel, I now like to have Wi-Fi while I'm traveling. And at the moment, the Wi-Fi on most British trains, on most British intercity trains is either absolutely zero or you pay an extortionate amount. <laughs> and so at least with a flight, I know that until I'm on the plane, I have Wi-Fi access. And then when I'm on the plane, I do this funny thing where I just flip my laptop into tablet mode and I don't have Wi-Fi access, but at least I can still work. And so I like planes for that kind of convenience thing of I can work pretty much up until I board. True. And then I work on the plane without Wi-Fi and then I get off again. Whereas if you try to work on some intercity trains in the UK, you need to have really, really tiny fingers <laughs> because the seats are so small. Yeah. And the tables yeah. are smaller than, like, if you put an iPod on a, a, a GNER a virgin table... <laughs> It would fall off. <laughs> so, oh Alex, where God. do you stand on the train versus plane spectrum? I'm actually, I'm actually completely with Jonathan. Like that whole Wi-Fi thing is just so annoying to me. And I know that technically speaking, you have Wi-Fi on most German trains, especially the fast ones. Uh, or if not, you can actually set up your own hotspot. But the thing is, it never works on the train. It just never works. <sighs> and on the plane, I know you don't have Wi-Fi either. But at least you go in knowing that you're not going to have Wi-Fi. So your mind that it's just a different one. Whereas on the plane, I'm sitting there and I'm going to try for like. 45 minutes to get this damn wi-fi <laughs> to work or my hotspot and it's just the most annoying thing and yeah i don't know it's just that is a that is a good point oh, yeah just grind my gears because <laughs> because there is wi-fi on, on all the intercity express trains so that the fast trains yeah. uh, and sometimes it doesn't speaking, work that's yeah. true it works most of the time though and uh i mean it's not uh. good enough for streaming netflix or anything but you know it's certainly good enough to to get some emailing done but um the last time it wasn't even good enough to open yeah. my emails you like, I could, like the page well, usually when you need it it's not going to work <laughs> yeah exactly That's I tell you where I like Wi-Fi on trains is most of, most countries that are civilized enough to have airport trains like apart from Edinburgh where we just have a bus <laughs> the Wi-Fi on that train works really really well so we were in Vienna recently oh, and yeah. the Wi-Fi on the, the city airport twain as the announcer calls it which is hilarious yeah. works really really well uh, and it's just like why can't the rest of civilization learn from the Austrians? And I'm sure that's never been said before. <laughs> but, you know, airport airport trains are for me like a halfway house between flying and being on the kind of train which judders so much that you lose feeling in your backside by 15 minutes through. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is this is exactly hmm. the issue, right? Is is about time and how you can save time. And that's one of the things that really bothers me with air travel is that you just you spend so much time especially in cities where the airport is far away from the city center so it takes you forever to get there then you have to wait forever even if you sort of come come just before boarding and then you have to go through security and you have to take your shoes off and you take your belt out and everything it's the worst i mean on the train you get to the station you get in and you and you go and that's it do you really still have to take your shoes off isn't that like sometimes yeah. no, sometimes you have to yeah. Oh, I haven't had to do that in like Actually, years. I, but some I, people I, just do it on their own because they've been trained to do it. I I try to avoid it as yeah, far as which possible. Yeah, is really yeah. funny. 
yeah, I can see. Like you, you know, in Munich, you never have to do it. And then I see people going there, and like they completely disrobe. Like they take off everything except for their underpants. And I'm like, guys, like you can leave your wedding ring on. You can even leave your shoes on. <laughs> yeah. Alex, I think we have to talk because I don't think that was an airport you were at. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> full body inspections is all see, I'm saying. People no, talk but... about wasting time at airports, but Edinburgh Airport is 50, well ten minutes from my house in the taxi. And I, it's oh, so small, and I'm so used to it that literally, so I have my favorite luggage company, which I am going to mention later, and there's like pouches and stuff, and so I'm so quick for taking stuff out when I'm on my own that I'm I'm almost ready before I even get to the trays, <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I, when I'm traveling on my own, I'm the guy who stands, so like at Edinburgh Airport, you have the person who's putting their luggage on the belt. And the, they have one person waiting behind each person. And I'm the guy, you know, if you, if you get someone in front going, where do I put my laptop? And do I need to take my coat off? And do I need to take my belt off? Oh, it's the and worst. I, I, I'm the guy at the back going, I'm not even wearing a watch. I'm going to tap my wrist just for effect here. But, but then, I, then I flew through Amsterdam and I realized that they are the most efficient people I've ever met. And I was the one holding the lineup. And suddenly I've become a whole lot more patient since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it really does. So I find I'm kind of lazy with Edinburgh. I, I get there a bit later than I should. But I find that any time that would be wasted, I, I make up for a, a lot more by um, managing to do work at the airport. Whereas at my local railway station, which is Haymarket, which is like 45 minutes away on the bus, mm. there isn't really anywhere massive that I feel comfortable doing work there. Um, mm. The waiting rooms aren't, even with the refurbished it even now that the waiting rooms aren't great and then you have Birmingham International Railway Station which is an airport railway station which has about one functioning power plug in the entire airport (laughs) yeah and if you find it you get like a queue of people behind you waiting to plug (laughs) and literally and then they tap on theirs and they're like hello for other people need to charge devices too you know yeah, you, you see you people walking around the airport, plugging the device into every, uh, sorry, around the train station, yeah. plugging the device into every plug to see if it works. Yeah. It's like, what is this? But I actually, I actually have a confession to make because I actually set out 2018 to make 2018 the year of the train because I really oh, want to make the you, Alex. <laughs> train. So far, it hasn't really worked out, but, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. But I do, in, in theory, Alex, I see all of the advantages that you've laid out and I know that you know, you save tons of time because you're, you, you don't have to go out. I mean, if you've ever been to Munich airport, you know, it's basically a journey around the world and back oh, to yes. get there in the first place, especially on public yeah. transport. Um, taxis are just unaffordable. Like you could actually pay for a second flight. And um, yeah, so if there's no drive nows or any car sharing options, I'm, I know it's going to be a bad yeah. day. And with the train, like you basically just have to go down to the central station. You're in the middle of the city. You arrive in the middle of the city, wherever you're going. You technically have Wi-Fi, kind <laughs> Kinda. of, sort of. Um, you also have like an onboard restaurant. So, you know, like I, I know technically speaking, there's all these 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 perks. But, um, oh yeah, and of course the carbon footprint. I was actually talking about that to a friend of mine the other day, who was also an interpreter. And we were saying that, that just the two of us probably have the carbon footprint of a small village. <laughs> so we were saying um, that hopefully... Because we're both from Bavaria, and we were saying that there's probably some tiny Bavarian village where nobody travels at all, and so we're just kind of like doing some 
carbon footprint swapping, hopefully. I don't think that's things are evening but, out in yeah. the grand scheme of things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 that's what I tell myself. Sure. See, see, we actually had um, a guy at Heriot what once who did this invention that helped super fast trains. So if you're on a super fast train anywhere in Europe, it's probably his invention underneath the tracks. Um, and we were talking about, you know, trains being more environmentally friendly. And he raised the point that it depends on what's powering it, not just like diesel versus electric. But if you have an electric train in a country where most of the power is coal, you know, where most of the electricity comes from coal or from gas. Yeah, sure. The actual carbon footprint difference isn't that great, especially in, so like I do a lot of journeys down to Birmingham to go to ITI board meetings and they're in a turboprop aircraft. And the, the guy who runs that airline, who used to run that airline, pointed out that his aircraft t uh, uses the same amount of fuel from uh, gate to gate as a 747 takes taxiing to the runway. <laughs> yeah, mm. well, it's a little bit bigger so as like, well. <laughs> you know, yeah, okay. Um, and it says something that like you can like buy an extra thing to offset your carbon footprint, and it's about £5 a journey. Yeah. <laughs> on that airline mm. whereas I think with some airlines it's like yeah just buy another ticket you'd be cheaper <laughs> yeah the five pounds yeah. doesn't sound like a lot because I've I've done that a couple of times you're, you're buying offsets for you know environmental projects and it can be quite expensive especially I mean if you're talking yeah. about transatlantic yeah. flights it's uh, but I mean it, it, it reflects the true cost of, of things I guess Actually, Sonia, you know, Alex, a friend of ours, uh, she sent me a website once where you could type in all of your flights and it kind of accumulated the stuff. And then it basically calculated how much you would have to spend to offset all your carbon stuff. And I stopped. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I stopped after five minutes because it was like, oh, my God, Jesus Christ, I cannot even yeah. look at the number anymore. And I think so, the thing is, that with traveling, and this is where I want to go all troublesome terps on us, is it's always in traveling, it's always a, a question of... Where, where you want to make a sacrifice. Yeah. So, for instance, going down to London in terms of wasted time, the biggest way for me to waste time to go to London would be to get the train. Yeah. Because it's 45 minutes to the train station. Then I heard, saw recently on an advert, 35% um, of trains get to London within four and a half hours. Mm -hmm. That's not a lot. Goodness <laughs> knows what happens to the other 65%. I have no idea. I think they get lost to crew. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so it, it would take me about five and a quarter hours to get to London and then you've got to get round London from King's Cross whereas if I fly down to so recently I flew into London City within 30 minutes of landing of you know getting through arrivals at London City I was at my I was at the 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 tube at my destination hmm. and you know if I'd done King's Cross I'd have had to go the opposite way across across London and you think it's it really is a question of wh which sacrifices you're prepared to make and also i had to be there for i think it was like half nine in the morning and there is no train on this planet that gets me into london for half nine. yeah sure i mean um, it really depends on on the personal circumstances for, because yeah. for me for example to go from brussels to london it's completely the opposite it, it makes much more sense to take the train to the eurostar and it's it's really much cheaper yeah mm. How long does it take from, so is it direct, like through Paris and then the no, tunnel? No, not Paris. Uh, it goes, usually takes a stop at Lille and then it goes straight into the tunnel. And then sometimes oh, you wow. stop at Ashford or Epsfleet or whatever they're called. And then, mm. yeah, so it's um, it's under two hours now, I think. Yeah. What? <laughs> and, and to exactly. be honest, any, That's nuts. any journey that involves going through Lille is a journey worth doing. Is I, my I never got city. off at Lille. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> 
Mm. Mm. I lived in Dunkirk for seven months and I realised that I prefer Lille to Paris. And when I tell that to people who live in Paris, they stare at me. Well, of course they do. They're Parisians. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see, see, this is the other thing with travelling is, and it's something that we didn't even put in the show notes, was it helps so much if you actually speak the local language. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, like, if but, but well, yeah. even in countries where everyone speaks English, it makes a difference. <laughs> but, I mean, you can and, just and, get one of these little devices, right, that do the translation for you? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, this, the synchronous translators yeah, like these, on your phone. It's like a box, yeah, yeah. and you just use it. And... There's a, there's a, there was a podcast about that a couple of years ago. Right. Oh, yeah, they were doing machine interpreting, I heard. <laughs> we, we could do a whole show on travel gadgets, actually. But one of the things that I think would be good, and I think we mentioned it in passing, was the whole luggage thing. Now, mm -hmm. I was going to say, Alex, uh, Alex if you've been traveling on train a lot, do you find that your luggage, what you can do with luggage is different to getting on a plane? Because every intercity train I've been on, the luggage space has either been you abandon your bag, like at the end of the carriage, yeah, or you're, you're hunched up like a tiny little dwarf, <laughs> kind of holding onto your bag for dear life. And like, there's no room on the seat, so you've, you're sitting half off the seat so that you get your bag on. Now, even when I take a train, I will usually have kind of separate luggage. So I'll have an actual suitcase and then my carry-on or whatever you want to call it. So where my laptop's in and oh, my tablet. Um, so I do that on, mm. the, on the train as well. Um, and I usually prefer putting the luggage into the space that is, you know, there for luggage. Because some people like to keep it next to them in the alley. And then, you know, nobody gets through anymore. And that kind of thing oh, is just, so just oh, <laughs> it makes my blood boil. Yeah, those are pet peeves. I think we can actually talk about pet peeves later on because there's a ton of pet peeves for traveling. Jonathan mentioned Yeah, some. I had a question for you two guys, actually, um, which is kind of related to traveling for assignments. Um, do you have to negotiate a lot with your clients when it comes to how you travel and when you have to be there and how much time you, you get to travel? Is, is that an issue or do you just you just book your flight or train and, and no, no questions asked? Well, usually it really depends on the assignment. If it starts in the morning and there's no way you can get there, you obviously have to fly or fly or take the train or whatever. Um, but really fly. The previous... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the makes before. sense. Um, yeah, so usually that's not really a, a huge deal. I mean, if you know it's from Munich to Berlin, they know roundabout what the flight is. And even if it's, I don't know, if there's a trade fair and the flights are more expensive then that's just how it goes. You know, like those are the price and there's nothing that I can do about it and there's nothing they can do about it. So if they want me there, they're going to have to pay the price. Yeah, most clients I've come across, I mean, most of, a lot of my assignments have been like within an hour's traveling distance, but we'd have had to fly or take the train. Clients will realize, you know, there is one, there are two ways to go from Edinburgh to Inverness. The cost differential isn't that great, but they understand that the train is far more comfortable than the coach. Oh, sure, and yeah. So, Mm. Oh, I and, hate and so coaches. Like, oh. So I, I've had a few jobs up in the Highlands and every single time, the, literally the instruction has come through from the client, just get the train. They, they, they just inherently understand. And to be honest, any client who can afford to fly like 50 people over from seven different countries mm. to, to do a safety check in a factory, they're not really going to argue with like a £35 train journey. Sure, yeah. Because, you know, in the scheme of things, what's the problem? What What's more of an issue, and I think this is one where I'm still debating myself what the right way to deal with it is, is when you look at charging clients, billing clients separately for your traveling time. Oh, okay, yeah. 
So I found it easier and I'm finding it easier to simply just take account of that into my day rate. So rather than saying, you know, it's two days at such and such plus a travelling time at such and such, clients are like, what? Whereas if you just roll that into your day rate and take account of it anyway, it's not a big deal. Um, I, I actually wonder if, and this is me kind of thinking out loud, I wonder if as freelance interpreters, we often think more about our rights and our and what we want to get than we do out of what makes sense to our clients and what makes sense in their world. I'm not saying that, you know, we should say it's okay for clients to give us booths that are three feet smaller and two feet, whatever, <laughs> and, and not to give us breaks. But, you know, with things like how we price our services, with things like what we charge for, with things like the way that we talk to clients, I have come across interpreters who, when you ask them for a quote, the first thing they do is slap down the equivalent of the IEEC rulebook at you and say, because IEEC say this, I'm charging it this way. Now, I'm a consultant interpreter and I can take that stuff, but I would never pass that on to a client because it's just not professional to start the conversation with, bang, here's a book of rules and conditions. It's more of a last resort. I think we might have gotten a little sidetracked <laughs> from the luggages and the train. But yeah, um, I don't usually pack any differently if I, depending on whether I take a train or... Well, I haven't taken a coach on a, on, a, on a job, but yeah, whether I take a train or a plane, I usually always pick the same way. And I put it in my show notes because I'm trying to make it a point to pack less than I would think I need because it's usually always too much anyways, whatever you bring. So I'm going to try to always, I, I, I kind of make that a rule for myself. I always try to bring, to pack less than I think I need and then it'll be fine. I've got a worse story. I arrived at a conference once where I was speaking, opened my suitcase and went, underwear would be useful. <laughs> yeah. So, so I went out to go shopping and met one of the other speakers. Hi, Jonathan. <laughs> what are you doing here? I said, ha. I said, ha. yeah, I'm, I'm going shopping. What are you going shopping for? Eventually, she wheedled <laughs> it out of me the next morning at the start of the conference. Did you get your pants? Oh, <laughs> oh wow. So now, now I have a packing list on my phone. Yeah, let's talk about the list. So you, you, do you have a default list that you sort of check and uncheck for every trip? Because that's what, yeah, I, but that's what I do. I, I have forgotten it for recent trips and realized the benefit of it. So yeah, it, it has all the things that I could possibly need for any trip. And so like if I'm interpreting, I don't need the presentation remote. So I just un untick that. Mm. Uh, and it's on Evernote, so it's always there. I forget sometimes to use it and then I, I regret it. But I think it's some of the things that you take for granted are things like, I'll just throw my um, sanit uh, toiletry bag into my suitcase because I've got a gate eight bag where it Velcros into the top. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I don't always check that everything's there. Yeah, exactly. That's why that's where the toothbrush, toothbrush thing happened to me once. <laughs> Because you're like you, you just slam the toiletries back in, knowing that you're going to do the smug thing of ripping it out at, at security and putting it on the belt and going, "Look at me, I know what I'm doing." And then you go, "I'll be brushing my teeth with my finger." <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, you have a list too. I have a list, yeah. So, um, I actually I have a list in Todoist, which is um, mm. uh, the favorite <laughs> to do list application of the Alexanders of the world. Um, just as an aside. <laughs> We approve. Uh, yeah, we approve. So what I use is, uh, it's called a template, so I can use it again and again and again. And I have 
I've honed the list over time and I, I mainly use it for business trips um, uh, because that's why I really need a few things. So I, I have that list and um, I have all, I, I have more things on there that I need. So for some trips, I don't need uh, a passport, for example, or I don't need a visa, but it's all on there. Um, so even for a small trip, I use it. And if I don't need it, I'll just, I'll just take it off. And I have stuff on there like, you know, toothbrush, shaving equipment, that kind of thing. It's all on there. Mm. I actually once downloaded a template on Todoist for travels because they had that. It was like freely available in a downloader because I was thinking it could be really uh, handy. And it had 106 items on it. And I was like, well, <laughs> maybe not. But yeah, I actually don't have a list. Um, I you don't just need don't one. one. I don't need one. No, it's because. You've never forgotten anything? Maybe not a toothbrush, but you know, <laughs> no. like a tie or something. I don't know. No. You're a better man than we are. <laughs> because the thing is, okay, so I, I'm cheating here a little bit because I do have my toiletry bag packed, so I just need to grab that. And yeah, same every, here in everything theory. Everything is always in there, but then when something's not in there or when I'm running out of, out of toothbrush or I need to put in, I don't know, like a new aspirin or something because I've used it, I put in a reminder on my to-do list to refill it. Yeah, I do that too, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of like my, my way of cheating. And then my interpreting bag. That's not cheating. <laughs> Um, but so that's the suitcase stuff right and then there's another um, little bag in my suitcase for my my shoes you know if you need to bring proper shoes for your suit you can change and stuff so i don't forget that because there's a separate bag in there and um my all my other stuff that i actually need for the job like my laptop my chargers my power bank uh, all the different cables my passport everything is in my interpreting bag that i have with me anywhere i go anyway so i just need to grab that and i know everything is in there all the time my wallet like it's all in there it's kind of like a briefcase i mean just in terms of how you use it not what it looks yeah. like yeah yeah okay so i i just need to grab that and i know that all of that stuff is covered so i don't need to to yeah. check that see talking about bringing stuff like forgetting stuff so two things one of them is i am the guy who whenever i'm leaving a hotel room for the last time i'll do things like flapping the bed sheets to make sure i haven't left anything in the room i do that and too even, even if i know i haven't checked even if like even if the bed goes all the way to the floor i still get down on one side <laughs> and, and even then i've still come home and gone so i was in paris for a prize giving earlier this year and even though I checked, I still managed to leave my Bluetooth speaker in the hotel. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. What? How does that happen? That that happens. But it shows you what kind of hotel <laughs> it is where when I emailed them in my, in my kind of best posh French. So, you know, it would be a two sentence email in English and French. It's like yeah, three or It's a whole paragraph. <laughs> uh, you know, introduction with a uh, quoting Sartre and stuff. Yeah. Well, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I write this long email to him. And they just sent me a form, and it was called the um, the form for lost objects. And I was like, "Yeah, oh, wow. you get this all the time, don't you?" <laughs> yeah, they have a form. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, they, they they have a form." And then when I when I sent back at what it was, they sent me an email correcting my French terminology from Bluetooth speaker. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, "Thank you very much." Au <laughs> <laughs> parleur. <laughs> well, I read no parleur, and it's no, it's an, an enceinte, and I was like, okay. "Oh, that's true, it's an enceinte, yeah." A, pr a pregnant loudspeaker, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that, that I find rather ironic at the moment. See, the, and on the, other, on the other hand, I once did a job for the Scottish government on deep sea fisheries policy, and I went into my bag to pull out my terminology sheet, and instead I pulled out a nappy. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I was in the booth, and my booth mate at the time had two kids of her own, and she went, well, at least it was a clean one. 
I mean, it's funny what people use for terminology, right? (laughs) 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 But maybe we we can talk about bags for a little while. I could talk about bags for for days on end. I mean, mean, some people buy buy shoes and I buy bags and and backpacks. But uh, do do you have like one go-to bag that you use for assignments? Because I have several, actually, depending on what kind of clothes I need. Meaning like bag in the sense of suitcase? Suitcase slash weekend bag, whatever. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, I have two suitcases. I actually have three suitcases, but one I never use. It's a huge suitcase that I would use to move to the UK and then move back. And that's, it's been in the attic ever since. So, so I have a regular carry-on suitcase. So like a small one, right? Like a, yeah, just like a, like a cabin. The one size. that goes in the overhead. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. The one that goes in the overhead compartment. Um, <laughs> And the exits are here, here. Exactly. <laughs> and I got that one last year with, because I really wanted one with the, the four rolls at the bottom. Yeah, I used spinner to wheels. Have one with the, yeah, the spinner wheels. I always used to have the two, but now I have the four and I love it. No, so you want four. Oh, yeah, now I want four. That's right. Um, and then I also have a teeny tiny suitcase because I have this series of jobs this year that always take me to uh, uh, like the mountains two hours south of Munich for one night. And I realized that I need to bring a little bit because I need to change it to my suit and whatever. Um, but that I couldn't even fill a quarter of the uh, overhead compartment suitcase. So I just had to buy like a teeny, teeny tiny suitcase for like an overnight stay. And yeah, so those are the two that I use. So I have two two suitcases for the overhead bin one of them's kind of older and one of them is my newer fancy i love it to bits gate cabin mate so what they've done is they've worked with flyby who have the smallest luggage size of any airline in the uk and the propeller airplanes <laughs> and the propeller propeller airplane that's why they have the small luggage size and so what it is is the it's a suitcase but with a zip on zip off laptop bag Oh, that's so with good. the laptop bag, with the laptop bag on, it's the right size for BA. If you zip it off, it's the right size for Fly B. Oh, and Fly B allow you your cabin luggage and one small item, and it's exactly the right size for their small item. So the laptop bag is super thin, and it's just it's basically just wide enough to get a laptop and a couple of sheets of terminology and your cables, and that's it. You literally can't get anything else in. But that's all but you that, need. But both bags turn into backpacks if you want them as well. <sighs> so nifty. Oh, wow, that's so really cool. It's such a flexible thing. So it's got like two carry handles, one on the top, one at the side. Both bags independently turn into backpacks. Um, and like if you ask them, they will engrave your company logo or name into the, uh, into mm, the bag. Fancy. <laughs> and so I, I was telling them how wonderful they were. And I started a Twitter thread with like, what would interpreters want out of a bag? And they said that, if we were to send them the spec, they would build us the ultimate interpreter bag. We have to make this a thing. I like what? that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's so when, the, when this show goes out, I'm going to remind Gate 8 of that. And we should challenge everyone listening to this. We should like start a thread on the, the website where people tell us everything they want in an interpreter bag. We send it to That's Gate. so cool. Yeah. Because, because they're new and because they only do customized bags. So, like, basically, they work with airlines and they customize it for them. And the main, <clears throat> sorry, the main bag is is like intended for a suit, right? So you can sort of fold it up yeah. and put a suit so in. It has, yeah. it has a garment bar, so you can put your suit in. And if you do it right, which I've not managed to do it right yet, it's a pop out garment bar. You put the the shirts and suit over it, and if you do it right, you fold it over, so it's completely crease free when you get out again. I have something similar, which is very nice. Yeah. 
Well, I got something like that for Christmas, but I actually haven't really figured out how to use it yet. So <laughs> <laughs> You're not really a suit person, are you? <laughs> I am, but I usually just wear polo shirts, so that's kind of okay. See, I, I, I'm so cheating. I'm so conscious when I'm interpreting that I want to look smart, so like I wear shirt and tie and the whole works. And then you turn up to jobs on like truck testing sites, and they go, "Tomorrow, please come in jeans and whaley boots." Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually that's on my travel list is is to take um, not wellies, but you know, kind of solid, robust shoes that can take a beating. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, when you end up in a slaughterhouse or somewhere out in the field, you don't want to be there with dress shoes, you know, because that has happened to me as well. Yeah, That's when I, I fixed I, the I, list. That literally happened to me last year. And it was like, it was fine. It was an abandoned slaughterhouse, but they wanted to see if they should buy the property. And then it just got so freezing cold because it was in the winter. Oh, and then yeah. all the cold from the floor kept coming through my shoes because I had on the fancy dress shoes. And it was just, oh, that was dire. <laughs> So, hmm. that was so, so cool. can someone tell me what that is about? Because they, they know I've, I met a translator with the, with I think the commission, who has become a slaughterhouse expert. Wow, Alex, there you go. And you two both worked in slaughterhouses. It's not something I've ever gotten near. I've, I've done like trucks and stuff, and in the control room of a nuclear power plant, which is mega cool. But you know what is it with slaughterhouses? But anyway, that's another topic. I think Alex and my slaughterhouse experiences were probably very different. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine mine was animal welfare inspection. Oh, sorts. see, mine was almost the same thing. It was for dog food. <laughs> <laughs> see, <laughs> interpreters are going places. That's the uh, see. I, I was joking with people that you know the the one time when I was interpreting literally in a muddy field on a test site. Um, and at that point, all the interpreters that I knew in Europe were like in Strasbourg, Berlin, and fancy convention centres. And I'm like, they didn't train us to be ankle deep in mud, squelching along, <laughs> into interpreting it. Like um, with the test site, they couldn't even put in proper booths, so we had in-ear earphones plugged directly into the amplifier, mm. and we were interpreting into these tiny little mics. But this is the thing. So my my one essential whenever I'm travelling anywhere that's not a holiday, as I always pack my travel iron. Mm, really? <laughs> what? I don't, think, I don't think I could travel without it. Especially if I've got to look smart. The, the travel iron is like the, probably one of the few things that's always in my suitcase. And, and it's diddy. Is it a foldable one? I had a foldable one once, but I've, I've never used it, I think. Foldable? Well, you could, no, but you could fold away the handle. <laughs> I was going to say, like, how do you get a foldable? Surely the iron is for making things not foldable. <laughs> no, it, it, it's just like a mini iron. And so some hotels have irons, and, and if they don't, iron is bigger and heavier than mine, I'll use it. But there was one hotel where I was using the iron, and as I was ironing my shirt for the, I think it was an interpreting job, it was leaving big white marks all over my shirt. <sighs> and I'm thinking, no. I'm not going to use you anymore, <laughs> so I put it back and use my own. Yeah. So I actually just tried to look up on Amazon what such a travel <laughs> would look like because I could not picture it. And now I'm probably going to buy a steamer because that looks really cool. The other cool thing with a travel iron, and I learned this trick from my mom, because most travel irons don't have a lot of water in them. So some can yeah. do a lot of steam. Yeah. So what you can do is you can get like a cup of water and just sprinkle it with your hands. So I have, does anyone else have that one shirt where even if you've ironed it two minutes ago, oh, yeah. as soon as you put it on, it looks like you've just been scrumpled up for three weeks? No, I, I avoid those like the plague. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you know, honestly, that's kind of what I do when I'm wearing my polo shirts. It's kind of a trick. You just go into the bathroom, wash your hands, and then you just kind of wipe your hands dry on the polo shirt, and there you go, it's wrinkle free. I love it. It's honestly, it's honestly the best thing. That's a neat trick. You, yeah. turn up, you turn up to work with big black wet marks. Well, yeah, you kind of have to give it five minutes to dry again, but then you're good to go. There's a, there's another trick though. If you, I've never tried this myself, but I've read this so often now that if you have a, like a wrinkly shirt, you can put it into the shower when you take a really steaming hot shower. I tried that. And, it doesn't uh, work. The steam. It doesn't work. No, I tried it. I tried that okay. because I was like, oh my God, this is just heaven sent, but it actually doesn't work. Okay. What does work though is um, I, <laughs> I once got a a little goodie bag from a conference and it had, it was in the summer. So they had one of those, um, it kind of looked like a deodorant can, but it was for water. So you could kind of mist your face with this, you know, water and just stay fresh. If you have that and you put that on your shirt, that works like a charm. That's amazing. It's also good for a warm, for a hot booth in the summer. I mean, we've had this for the hospital Very. bag for the... Um, when, when our kids arrived and we didn't use it in the hospital, but I think it would, would work well in, in a hot booth. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Kind of like interpreters have the equivalent of a hospital bag. You know, you have a change of clothes, <laughs> you have a first aid kit. Yeah. That's actually and then, you, and then you don't use 95% of it. Well, but you have it just in case. Exactly. And honestly, like one time I had, a, I had a conference with a huge team and then one of them had the most searing headache and I was like, so, okay, hang on. I actually have my suitcase here because I need to dash off to the airport. So I have, <laughs> I have Advil, I have aspirin, I have these pain drops, I have like everything you need. And then I just showed him and he was like, you're like a walking pharmacy. And I was like, <laughs> I also have band-aids if you cut yourself. So that was really good. Yeah. See, the, the only medical thing that I always try to carry is a little tube of Tyra's X. What's that? Painkillers for your throat, which basically contain dental anesthetic. Oh, in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I know if you talk to the vocal people, they'll say totally don't do that. But I'm sorry, when you have a job and you have to complete the job, oh, yeah. you can't just go, well, it's okay. If I talk quietly, it will be all right. No, it won't. Oh, that's actually going to make it worse. Hmm. So with a Tyra's X, so long as, and this is my number one tip, if you're taking Tyra's X, suck them as far back in your throat as you can. Otherwise, you get a numb tongue <laughs> and you're like, go to eat lunch. And you're there. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. That's great when you, when you want to speak Danish. I think that works well. <laughs> hey, <I laughs> Sorry about I that. I thought the last episode was all the one with the stereotypes in it. <laughs> I love telling Dutch people that Dutch is a German with a head cold. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, Alex, but, what is what is your must-bring item? What can you absolutely not leave the house without? That's a very good question because I wanted to um, seg into sort of gadgets and and devices. Um, oh, yeah. At least for for a little while, because I I purchased an item I think just last year, and it was one of those. Oh my God! Why have I never thought of this before? Why haven't I bought this earlier? And they were uh, noise cancelling headphones, mm. and I know that some people can't stand it because they get like nauseous from from them, or it makes them sick or whatever. But I think they're just a godsend, especially for me. And I realized this that the longer I I work as an interpreter, the the easier I get irritated by by loud noises, by other people speaking too loudly, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so both for trains and planes, I think noise cancelling headphones are are great because they they work particularly well with this sort of constant humming uh, from the engine uh, of of an aeroplane or if, you know the the humming from the Eurostar on a train on the Eurostar. So <laughs> they are just perfect and also they're very useful because um, often when I go on a longer train ride or or, or plane uh, flight, I edit 
podcast episodes and you know you want to have some peace and quiet for that so they're just the perfect headphones to cancel our voices out the entire time (laughs) no that's not how it works jonathan (laughs) these annoying background noises yeah but so i i I read that in the show notes and i've been intrigued by noise cancelling headphones but i'm wondering how big they are is it like kind of like the beats by dre size i'm guessing they're bluetooth as well that there are a little bit the ones i mean there are several ones out there of course but the ones that i have are the the bose uh QC Quiet Comfort 35 Mark One. That sounds like an Iron Man thing. And those are, are a little bit bigger because they they go all the way around the ear to to sort of mm. close off your ears, but they're they're quite small. They don't they don't have a huge silhouette like the ones that I'm wearing now. Um, but um, so th- those those I bought for I'm I'd say 180 euros, so quite quite cheap comparatively last year. Mm. Um, and the latest version, um, the QC 35 Mark Two. Um, have Bluetooth, so you can use them uh, wirelessly. And they also have, I think, like the Google Assistant built-in, which is something I didn't want. Um, and I kind of preferred the, the cable version as well. And of course, you can you can also just use them to drown out, uh, to, to cancel out the sound. Even if you're not listening to anything, you can just use the headphones like that to basically protect your hearing and your ears, which is what I do sometimes. So mm. um, that, was, that was something that I would definitely recommend if you have sort of the the disposable income or if you find them on you know for cheap on amazon or whatever so that, that was really one of those aha moments uh, last year i think yeah i heard about that and i've been as i said i've been really intrigued but the thing is they're for me they're just too big i just don't want to schlep around another piece of equipment so i'm i'm using basically well it's from my old phone they're basically apple headphones just made by an android manufacturer but who are, who are <laughs> a we knock off. and yeah it's basically a knockoff by a chinese company nonetheless and yeah but see like okay so guys you can't see this but i just showed this on the video like it's the, a, the travel yeah. case it's an extra it's, case but it's very sturdy so you can just throw it in the but bag you have to and put it in the suitcase don't you sorry you have to put it in the suitcase like you no. can't actually put it in your interpreting bag well, of course i do Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's plenty of space. So, um, and of course, what you need is a battery because it has kind of active electronics in there, and your um, th- there's a, a space here um, in the ba- in the in the case where you can put a spare battery, and it has this kind of weird airplane audio adapter as well. So it's oh, it's yeah. quite, oh, nice. Get quite out. nice. That's it's really quite cool. nice. Yeah. Although I've never needed it, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm using the regular boring Apple. I've well, not uh, yeah, but whatever. I'm just using like earbuds, like, yeah. Ear earplugs, yeah, and that's kind of okay-ish, I guess. Um, but my must-have item that I cannot leave the house with is just a power bank. Like I just cannot. Oh leave yeah. <laughs> a power bank. I need to buy one. I need to buy one of those that charges even when it's not plugged in. <sighs> we should probably have a troublesome Terps branded battery pack at some point. Oh yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome if we had that. But honestly, I had a, a really tiny one, a really, really super tiny one because I, you know, I, I was trying to minimize the weight of my interpreting bag. And then I realized that basically it charges half my phone and then it dies. And I was like, oh my God, this is so annoying. And then I had another job where I once again got a goodie bag. So you can kind of see a pattern here. You have nice uh, jobs, Alex. I do have really nice jobs. And the funny thing was too, it was an IT job. And the lady who gave it to me was also the client. She said, um, this is the best power bank, power bank available, and the nerds from our IT department picked it, so you can be sure that it works. And honestly, oh, that's fantastic. Bank, I can charge my phone five times, and it's just <sighs> incredible, and I love it. Yeah. So yeah, that's my that's my thing, and I think it actually supports fast charging because I can charge my phone up in like less than an hour. 
don't do that too often because lithium batteries, if you fast charge them too often, you can actually hurt the circuitry. Oh, that's fine, Jonathan. I buy a new phone every year. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, this is what I was saying about German interpreting rates. I mean, <laughs> yes. no, no one would have heard this before. It's the tax show, deductible. But for the first time in my career, I'm getting like mainland uh, European interpreting rates. Oh, and I, I was joking, I'm going to take my wife out to the Ritz after this because they're so much higher than ours. Yeah. Um, Try going to so, Switzerland. <laughs> exactly. No, but yeah, that's kind of my thing. Um, What's yours, Jonathan? We, you? So uh, apart from the travel iron, which is like, if I have to be smart, that's my Mustang. And the, and the bag, okay, right? I'm, I mean, the bag sounds really bag, good. I'm intrigued. It, it, in terms of gadgets... Um, I re so my old laptop, you know, when the laptop keeps giving you warnings that you're not entirely sure what they mean, <laughs> I was like, okay, it's getting to the point. So we had some money, and I, I'm going to cut the whole story short of how a laptop supplier let me down badly. But I got myself a new two-in-one Dell Inspiron, and it's only got a 13-inch screen. the The one I had before was 15.6, and I've gone down to 13, and it's like the it's the depth of like a, an Apple laptop, it's really, really super thin and super light. The great thing is, is it's two in one. And so I am that smug guy when they say on the plane, um, please pack your laptops away, but if you have a handheld device, you can still use it. I'm the smug guy who just flips his screen back into tablet mode and keeps on working with that giant smirk on my face. <laughs> on a good day, I start on my computer and within less than like 45 seconds, I'm straight into being able to use it especially now it's using my face as the password oh nice oh, i love that yeah that's super cool i love that it's the windows hello yeah yeah that is honestly the most convenient thing sometimes it's a bit of a problem but like so, so in airports nine times out of ten once I'm, I'm through security and i have my sacred hot chocolate i'll sit and work um and literally some because of the battery life i can sometimes work from gate to gate and it, it's, cha it's changed things so, so much for me. It's made me more flexible. Um, and now it gets to the point where, like, if I leave it at home, so I was going to a networking thing recently and I left it at home, and I feel like, why did I leave it at home? I could have done work on the bus. <laughs> it's like, you know, now on 20-minute bus journeys, I'm the guy with the laptop. <laughs> <laughs> mm. it, 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 it's become my thing because, you know, tablets for me were never massively ergonomic. I find them just small, and whereas when you hit 13 inches, it's about right that the keys are the the on-screen keyboard's about big enough. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm writing the second book on it. That and my travel iron are just start the you know <laughs> I, I pack them before I pack underwear because you know you put the, the most important things first. Yeah, hey, I mean you need something to iron the underwear, so. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I iron it with my laptop. <laughs> so the iron is going into the show title somehow. I'm, I'm figuring this out. The most ironic show we've ever done. Ironing out your travels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. There's something along those lines. But I think honestly, like speaking speaking about um, just arranging your travel, um, there's a there's an app that Alex and I use. I think Alex, you're back to using it. Oh yeah, I tried a few others, but um, yeah. Yeah. And it basically just arranges, well, it doesn't really arrange your travels. It's, it's called TripIt, and I couldn't live without it. So basically what you do is when you have a hotel reservation or, or a train reservation, see, I'm trying to. <laughs> um, all you have to do is like forward that reservation to plans at tripit.com, and it will automatically generate an agenda for you with the departure platform or gate, uh, the times, the right times, even in different time zones. That works too the hotel addresses, and so on and so forth. So it'll have all of that stuff. 
this is a free version. I'm, the, the premium version can do tons more. Um, and it also syncs automatically with your calendar. So I do that with anything and everything relating to my travels because um, it's just nice to have all of it in one place and be able to just look up something super quickly. And uh, just one more thing, I think we, we might be talking about that in a bit more detail going forward anyways, but you have that stuff offline, which is super helpful. I know that uh, thanks to um, the gods at the European Union, we actually don't have roaming charges anymore in Europe. <laughs> so roaming is now free, which is honestly just, yeah, I can't even explain or express <sighs> how incredibly, <sighs> but um, sometimes you still don't have internet, like depending on where you go, you might end up offline and then you were like, oh crap, I just wanted to look up that address and that way you have it saved. So I either do that or I actually take screenshots of stuff too. Yeah, no, but TripIt Trip is really fantastic. And for example, when, when I travel for work, we often get uh, like these booking confirmation from the travel agency, which are in a format that kind of looked nice 100 years ago, I think, but it's completely, <laughs> it's machine readable, but I, I can just, I can just not see what's in there. So I just forward it to TripIt and then it makes, you know, turns it into a nice itinerary and then you can, <laughs> you can actually use it. And the good thing is, um, uh, and I'm not sure if this is a, a free feature or a premium feature, for example, it sends you a check-in reminder 24 hours before the flight takes off. That's premium. Um, so you can actually, you, you can actually get a decent seat, um, which for me is an aisle seat. I I'm not a window seat person, but maybe that's yeah. another topic. Aisle um, seat in the front. And also it will let you know when, when the flight is late, for example, or it gets canceled. Um, and sometimes you get that announcement even before you have it at the airport. So you can sort of rebook real quick or, you know, just change your plan. So I, I couldn't live without it. It's, it's mm -hmm. great. See, for me, it has to be if, if I'm flying into Edinburgh and they're taking the, the route over uh, Cramond Beach, it has to be a window seat because, I mean, we, we <laughs> live like 30 minutes walk from Cramond Beach. Oh, you get to but see your house you, then? Not quite, but that view as you come in is absolutely one of the one of the things that I think people underestimate is how much nicer most cities look from the air than they do from That's the ground. True. <laughs> they do, yes. <laughs> so, like London for me is a place I go when I'm desperately trying to go somewhere else. Apart from, of course, November when I'll be there and having great fun and loving the city. That's but a different usually thing. Yeah. London, <laughs> usually, London for me is like a changeover destination, and I, I don't like London. Except if you're flying over it and you're flying over it at night, then it's nice. If you're going into Heathrow and you realise you're going about to hit the tube between half four and six, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> That's rough. <sighs> Generally speaking, Heathrow is rough. Heathrow is just a rough place to do. Yeah. Munich, however. <laughs> Munich, however, is the only five-star airport in Europe and has just been awarded the sixth place around the globe as in the best airport. Yeah, it's a pretty so decent airport. Now, I have a theory about Heathrow. Terminal 5 is run by human beings who smile at you and are nice. Terminal 1, 2, 3, and 4, I'm not sure where they got the staff from. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like... From a different century, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay, people. Yeah, so um, never, is my number one traveling tip, never change terminals at Heathrow. Avoid changing terminals at Heathrow at all costs. But to be quite frank, I think that holds true for all the large airports. I think it holds true they're for just Paris. Big. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're just huge. You know, Paris, London, Amsterdam. Amsterdam is great. Amsterdam is a great airport, but if you have to run from one into the other, and I've oh, done that, yeah. it's just the worst because it's on. A, it's just humongous. Like you can they, run a marathon in their place. They do the best pancakes in Europe in, in that airport. <laughs> they also have incredible French fries with a brilliant sauce, which I have no idea what's in it. <laughs> in Amsterdam. <laughs> 
Yeah, and <laughs> okay. In the Netherlands, please don't ask. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm fine. I'm just going to enjoy my life <laughs> in, in blissful ignorance. But it, it's one of the things that I I always find strange is that you get some jobs where you've arrived to like the nearest city in style, and then there's a bus to take you to where you're going, yeah. or like there's a bus from the hotel to where you're actually interpreting. And you can kind of tell by the state of the bus what kind of job it's going to be. So you know, if <laughs> they if they bring a money if if they bring a bus to the hotel and it's like really nice and plush, you think, well, maybe we're going somewhere nice and plush. But if the bus comes and there's like mud around all of the wheel rims, <laughs> you realise. <laughs> so so I, I I had one job recently where we were in the most of the job was in a hotel and it was a fairly nice hotel. And then they said, and now we're going to take the bus to somewhere else. And you know, the bus was going further and further and further out of the city. And you think, this is a very strange... I mean, it, it was fine, but it was one of these jobs where you just had to get your head down. I think it was like a factory tour or something. And it was quite a, a noisy factory tour. And you're like, yeah. It seemed like a completely different job to sitting in the nice hotel with like booth chairs with a back on them. Like all the way down, not just like the office chairs with just the thing at the top, a chair, a back all the way down. I was like, I'm going to fall asleep in the booth. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, d- does anyone else ju- judge like how comfortable the chairs in the booth are? You're like, of course. Oh, oh, yeah. No. oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very I particular am, but- about that as well. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, on a more travel-related note, um, do, you, do, you, do you guys do any loyalty or reward programs? I do, yeah. And I, that's actually one of the recommendations that I have for everyone. I'm, I'm yeah. not sure how much use it actually is for European flights. Because um, unless you're flying business, you only get a handful of, of miles anyways. But it can still accumulate and it can get you a very nice hotel room in the south of France if you ever happen to go on vacation there. <laughs> Um, or it can get you a suitcase or, you know, some, some other fun stuff. But the thing is too, you should always ask at the hotel if you can collect miles because tons of hotels are actually paired up with these miles programs and usually nobody really asks. So, okay. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. You can get tons of miles if the, especially with miles and more, they, they're oftentimes a partner. So you can collect all of that just by staying at the hotel, which a client is paying for anyway. So it's kind of a win-win situation. And, um, Yeah. So I, I'm on Avios, which is like a British Airways Flybe One World Alliance thing, which has now become British Airways Executive Club. And I'm like, oh god, no, Jonathan. <laughs> all, all, all I want from my points, you know, it'd be nice to get money off flights, okay. But I want a point system where if you do more than like three or four flights a year, they give you lounge access. Yeah, lounge access is nice. Mm. I have a big sister who gets lounge access because she crosses the Atlantic at least once a month. Yeah, that, and I'm that's like, I, yeah. I, I want to be one of those people who's like, yeah, I might only be going down to Manchester, but I'm still going to spend an hour and a half in the lounge eating biscuits. Yeah. Stealing all your nuts. <laughs> or hot chocolate. <laughs> or hot chocolate. Well, th- th- this is my thing is one of the tips I would give people is have travel rituals that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find myself less stressed 
when I have like things that I do, okay, there's a difference between what I do when I'm on my own and what I do when I'm traveling with family. Yeah, but it's good for sanity, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, so like I know when I go through security, if I'm going to Birmingham, I know exactly where the flight is leaving from because it's always the same place. Pick up a hot chocolate from exactly the same place, you know, with exactly the same order. So I hate routines, but I love that kind of feeling of I'm in control because I have a hot chocolate in one hand, my laptop open on my lap, and I'm at pretty much within two gates of where this flight is going to leave. It's so calming. And then you fly back from Heathrow. <laughs> 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 it's kind of like the, the downer on every single journey that you could possibly ever do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, one of you put something in the in the uh, script for the recording, which was sort of hygiene related. Are you sort of germaphobes? Or, uh, because I am. <laughs> I, I am not a germaphobe. My nightmare in terms of hygiene is when I get to the hotel and I look into my little bottle of shower gel and realize this is getting tight. (laughs) My nightmare is on the last day, especially the day you fly home and you know by the end of that day you will smell like a pig, (laughs) is waking up on that last day going, maybe I only need to do one armpit today. Yeah, you have to dilute it a little bit. Right? It's like, yeah. Yeah, just mix it with water, it'll be fine. Uh, well, this is the thing, because different countries have different things. So in Scotland, you don't need a lot of shower gel because we have very soft water. Oh, yeah, that's good. In England, like, there's a bottle a day, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Victorian pipes, right? Uh, uh, well, the, the other thing is, is my, what I, I want some to uh, design a roll-on deodorant bottle which tells you how much is left. Mm-hmm. I have a glass one, so you can see it. Yeah. I, 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 because I, I've, I've gotten to that stage where I've been like, final day of the job. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling kind of dry. Yeah. That happened, and that's why I got one where you can see it exactly for that reason. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done the kind of, if I rub this hard enough, miraculously oh, yeah. something will come out? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or the other one is, well, the deodorant might not be there, but if I splash enough water, and in the meantime, you're sweating, splashing all the water. I yeah. actually have deodorant in my interpreting bag. I actually have these teeny tiny travel size interpret- uh, interpreting deodorants, I was going to say. But <laughs> deodorants for, my, for the interpreting uh, actual assignment. So, you know, whenever things get a little heated in the moment, you know, it just dip out. Yeah. yeah. And they usually <laughs> never, they're never picked up by security because they're not in a clear plastic bag. They're just in my bag. Yeah. They're yeah. Well, they're small enough. They're so, yeah. yeah, they're small mm. enough. I guess but, it's fine. Yeah. I, I had security once pull me over because they didn't recognize the iron in my bag. And when it got to like the advanced <laughs> search lady, she's like, yeah, it's okay. They just haven't seen a, a travel iron before. And I said, well, we're in Edinburgh. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, the security at the airport is sometimes weird. They once pulled out a, a colleague of mine because she had dry shampoo in her bag. And she got into a world of trouble for that because, you know, it's a dry shampoo. So she was white powder. It's no, not because of that, sir. It's because the guy was saying it's a liquid. And then she was saying it's dry shampoo. It's literally dry. And he's like, no, it's a liquid. She's like, no, it's a powder. And he's like, well, the powder behaves like a liquid. So it's a liquid. And I was like, yes, um, we need to get on this plane. Can you just, I'm going to buy you a new bottle of dry shampoo. And then yeah, he actually got to keep it in the end. But he found that another colleague of mine, she actually had a, a little knife in her pocket because she was, you know, she usually is using it for like cutting cheese or cutting like a little sausage or whatever. Right. And they didn't find it. Like they just did not see it. That and happens. I'm like, oh, well, that makes me feel super safe. Um, but I think that this is the thing is that thinking ahead. So we've realized with when we travel with kids, we have three kids under seven. 
when you travel with kids, you have to plan so much more. Yes. Even to the point of like, who's going to be in charge of putting what bags on the security belt and counting how many trays you've put on the belt? <laughs> a lot of them. A lot of trays. All oh. <laughs> oh, the trays. So, so I, I'm, I'm, when I travel by myself, I am the least stressed person. When I travel with the family, I'm learning. I'm having to learn not to be stressed. Same. Because I'm so used, <laughs> when you're so used to your rituals and you're like, hold on, we're in the airport and I've not got a hot chocolate yeah. in my hand. <laughs> what wrong with this world? Do you, do you guys find that you are, I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but you know, when I'm traveling by myself, I'm not super relaxed because I'm always worried that I'm going to run late. So I usually end up being there like two hours in advance instead of Same. 30 minutes in advance. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to make, actually, I'm going to make the earlier train and then I'm going to get, I don't know. So that's usually just me, but I feel like I have my thing going and I know what I'm doing and it's going to be fine. Whereas when I'm traveling with someone else, um, usually not job related because usually I found that interpreters all kind of tick alike when it comes to, you know, airport routine. Yeah. Stuff. Mm. So that usually works out really well. But when it's something private, I realize that I'm still running on my, my travel routine, like my interpreting travel routine. And it's kind of like just bam, 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 bam. And then the other person has their own thing going, you know, their own like vacation routine. And Where's that, my partner? <laughs> oh, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> and the, honestly, he, like at that point, I'm already super stressed out at the airport because I'm like, where are you? Like, why are you lagging behind? He's like, oh, we're going on vacation. And, you know, yeah, relax. <laughs> yeah. And I can't relax until we're actually there. Whereas he's very relaxed because we're on vacation and we'll get there. We're going to be there two hours in advance because we're going to make the earlier train. So uh, it's just that's a clash of so, cultures. So let, yeah. let's talk about the, the un resolvable argument as to when you should stand up when the plane is being called for boarding so oh my I'm god yes please <laughs> when, but when i'm traveling myself that's voodoo nine times out of ten nine times out of ten when they're calling like the first class and the rich people i'm still i'm a, like packing the laptop and so by the time they call the speedy boarders not quite so rich people i'm already in the queue I know I'm not going to get on the plane for another 25 minutes, Yeah, but I'm totally there. Except, I mean, one time I had priority with Ryanair and I felt lost because I then had to stand up with the uh, priority venue. But usually I'm, like <laughs> one of the usually I'm one of the first people in the pleb queue. That yeah. doesn't work when you have children. And reminding myself that when you have kids, you have you basically for your own sanity, you have to be the last people on the plane. But... Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe because you mean of the luggage? Because I mean, even Ryanair lets you go first when you have kids in tow. Well, no? well, if they've got if they've got that kids thing, it's really helpful. But if you stand up while people are queuing and no one's actually getting on, it's just a bad idea. So you have to actually wait until there's a moving queue. And for my like travel by myself brain, it's like, what's wrong with just standing up and doing? Oh, yeah, that's what's wrong. Um, and it's just like so. Although I, I am not the I will arrive there two hours. Be if it's an international flight, I'll get there two hours before, fine. If it's a, a domestic flight, I'm like, if I arrive at Edinburgh 50 minutes before, I'm good. Yeah, that's usually true. It also depends on the terminal where you're going yeah. and so on. But, but I'm the only advantage of, of getting on the plane early is that you have space for the luggage, you know, and if you pack that's light exactly or yeah. you check that's in your exactly luggage, it's fine. It. Yeah. Because, no, it's not fine. I cannot check in my luggage. It's going to make <laughs> crazy. Oh, and then, you know, that, that's exactly why I'm always the first person in line as well, because I need to get my luggage in the overhead compartment if I actually bring my luggage. You know, sometimes it's just a fly-in, fly-out job, but um, I cannot, and it's happened to me a bunch of times, and it taught me the lessons, and that's why I'm just, like, super stressed until I'm actually on the plane. 
with my with my luggage in the overhead compartment above my head because you know like the plane is actually overbooked and then they have everybody brings huge luggage and then they can't that's true yeah. under the seat in front of them and then they take your luggage in front of the plane and they say oh it's fine we'll just check it for you is that okay and i'm like no it's not fine <laughs> i have somewhere to be i need to get to a job and i can't just wait around for like another 40 minutes until i get my damn suitcase but it's oh crazy what some people bring on a plane right <laughs> I, I had a flight recently <laughs> where my suitcase was in the overhead bin but it was six rows ahead of me yeah uh, yeah I could not relax. That's I was fine. Like, Honestly, I think if it's in front of me, that's fine. It's better I than having it in yeah, the back. Yeah, it happened yeah. to me once that like, I I don't know, I, I actually happened to run late or whatever happened. And I was sitting in the very front because I usually try to sit in the very front because, you know, I'm the first person on the plane and the first person off the plane. <laughs> and I don't need to wait for my suitcase because I haven't checked it in. And then I don't know what happened. Um, but I was sitting in the, like in row four, like the first row of the commoners. Um <laughs> And everything was full. So my suitcase had to be in the very, very back of the plane in the overhead compartment. And I was just like, are you kidding me? So I actually had to wait for everybody else to deboard the plane. And oh my God, I just... That's the worst. You, you yeah, must have suffered a lot, I can imagine. So, so my, my number one thing is if you can possibly manage it, don't put anything ever in the hold. Yeah. Literally, hand is the yeah. best thing ever. Totally. And especially like... I, I love this feeling, although they still airports still try to scare you when you walk past the carousel on that last door before arrival says, have you got all your luggage? And you're pulling the only suitcase that you have. <laughs> and you still feel compelled to look at the carousel to look for the bag that you didn't actually put on the plane in the first place. <laughs> Th this episode is making us all sound slightly neurotic. Like that's just when traveling. I get that way. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> when, when I see that sign, I have to stop myself checking that my toiletry bag is still in there, despite the fact that I know I packed it again at security. It's like maybe I should just hold on. It's for the people at the carousel. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so should we should we wrap up with yeah. kind of a, a top tip or uh, something like yeah. that? Um, yeah. I'm going to go first. Um, I think that the the top tip. Maybe it's not even a tip, but um, I, I would always say that you should try to be as polite and as calm as possible, even if you're boiling inside or you're very stressed out inside. But, you know, to the flight attendant or the, to the people at the check-in counter, wherever, just be, you know, be polite and be nice yeah. because they, they are dealing with so many bad people who are impolite and arrogant and who are trying to take advantage of the system. So just don't, don't be that person. That's very true. Yeah. We haven't mentioned that. It's a good thing that you're mentioning that, Alex. Thank you. No, because you see so many bad people when you travel, you know, in, oh, on yeah. planes and trains and ah. Oh. Especially when something goes wrong, you know, flight gets cancelled, people just freak out and ah, oh, it makes me so uncomfortable. It does make me uncomfortable because I'm like, it's not the flight attendant who cancelled your flight, dude. Exactly. Like, yeah. chill out. But this is the thing. So, like, my top traveling tip is actually as far as you can get a ritual that you follow even if even if like me you're not a routine organized person <laughs> um, have have a packing list have a way that you do things so that you're able to predict what's coming next um and the other thing that i would say and, and this is like my wife who introduced me to this recently is sometimes it's better to pay the extra to get the taxi or whatever oh yes yeah for the sake of convenience so Fully most agree. of the time most of the time i love the 20 minute walk to get the airport bus which i can just tap my card on yeah and it's completely contactless but there are 
like now whenever I'm coming back home, no matter what time of day it is, I jump in a cab. Mm-hmm. And it's an extra expense, but actually the fact that you, that whole process goes quicker, that I don't need to look at change, I don't know, it's like 10 minutes from the airport to home, makes me feel a whole lot calmer and then I don't have to think about travel until they park outside the house yeah. or around the corner. Yeah. Um, from the airport. Well, that's amazing. I mean, so literally, the, for, the, for the bus fares, it would be about five pounds. For the cab, it's somewhere between twelve and sixteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Always would get yeah. a cab. Bang. You know, I I don't always do it both ways, but if I have a red eye flight, I will almost always now get the cab. Yeah. And yeah. Let's like the cabs you like you book the night before, and there was once I had a. 6.30 flight and I got an extra 15 minutes in bed because of the cab. <laughs> it's totally I worth like, it. I, I've yeah. paid like a tenner for 15 minutes in bed and it's the best tenner <laughs> I've paid I can hear. Money well spent. Yeah, I know, go totally for convenience, worth. go for ritual and have your favourite gadget with you. Yeah, that's Good actually point. where I would like to connect as well. Have your favourite gadget, have a way to charge it, so make sure you have <laughs> Your power bank that the power bank is charged because that's happened to me where I got the power bank and then the power bank was empty. <laughs> um, and always make sure that you have access to all the information you need, whether that is making sure that you have a large enough data plan so you can set up your hotspot so you can access all the documents from your laptop in the cloud or from your tablet in the cloud. Uh, or as I've mentioned earlier, like sometimes I take screenshots from the address of the hotel or I don't know, from the connections that I need to take because who knows if you're going to actually have internet. So yeah, just make sure that your device does what it needs to do and that you have ensured that it can do all of those things. Yeah. One last thing, never, ever, ever use paper boarding passes. (laughs) Why is that? Like, because they're a pain in the neck. Like, so you have to go through the electronic boarding pass scanner to get to security. And the number of people who've got like a piece of paper which has been crumbled in their pockets and they're going, meh, meh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I have this trick. So, so many airlines annoyingly will force you to download. So what I want airlines to do, instead of making me download your 150 megabyte Uber stupid app i just want so there are some airlines that just have a link on the website that send you like a mobile compatible picture yeah that's what i want from everyone because what i do is i go onto the the airlines app and i just take a screenshot of the boarding pass so if i want to i can scrap that app but you know i'll take a screenshot of the boarding pass because it's so much quicker to open up an image on your phone to scan through the gate sure then it is to open up the app and it's like not enough internet it's like you're atta- attached to the internet because wi-fi is crazy not enough and yeah, you, see, press you like take a screenshot of the boarding pass in the first exactly you, yeah. you take a screen cap and also i find out those gates if you set your brightness to 100 percent, it will always read first time Mm, yeah, it's usually the brightness. So, like, I, I'm I'm the battery saver guy. My screen's on like forty percent all the time, and then I realised it's not actually seeing my boarding pass. So I, I put it up to hundred percent, and I just beep, and it's the, but it's the the people who turn up with paper, and it cannot scan because it's so wrinkled. It's like don't do that to yourself. Just get the pass on your phone and just go blip. I mean, yeah. it's a bit weird. Something it's like a bit that. weird. We have to give it to, <laughs> yeah. give it to the gate agent. It's like some of like, you have to give it to the gate agent to scan you into the plane. It's like, please give me my phone back. But it's, apart from that, it's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, but I think honestly, like all in all, in this episode, we've given the guys and girls who listen to our podcast a lot of great tips for when they come to London in November. Oh, that was a smooth oh, transition. That, a good one? <laughs> that, that was that was like a four wheel segue. Yes. Oh yeah, that was a very smooth landing, wasn't it? So what's what's going down in London? Tell us about it, Alex. Well, I don't know if you've we heard, no but. Uh, <laughs> And once again, the Troublesome Terps have recorded this very episode by having a three-way conference video call situation because we haven't been in a room together. And that is why on November 17th at 4 p.m., we will host our very first live podcast in South London in the beautiful Roebuck Pub. So if you haven't bought your tickets, there are still some available. The early birds have already completely sold out. The deluxe ticket package has almost sold out. So... Try to make sure you get your regular tickets or you get your video pass or you can just support the podcast. You don't even have to buy a ticket or nothing if you don't care about a live event. That's fine too. Just give us your money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In the spirit of all the deaf thing, just give us your cash. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, well, well, everyone's listening to our voices all the time, you know? So, well, like, you know, a couple of years ago, there was this whole Mayan calendar thing that when it got to a certain point, because the Mayan calendar ran out, the world would explode. 2012, yeah. So yes. For a lot, until, a we started, until we started. <laughs> this is going to be the worst thing to edit ever. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> Go so, ahead. <laughs> until we had video calls. My theory was that both Alex's were the same German guy who was really good at accents. Yep. It's not now true. My theory is that because we've never been in the same room at the same time together, when we are in the same room, it will cause a singularity. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, it's kind of going to be like the Mayan calendar thing all over again. We're actually living in different dimensions. And then when the three collide, it's going to be very interesting. So you, you don't want to miss it. Yeah, you don't want to miss it. You so don't want to miss uh, it. Go on troubleterps.com slash live. Yeah. And the the, the different dimensions thing is why it takes so long for us to fill in doodle poles. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All this of this. We can edit this out. That part we can edit out. <laughs> All of this and much, much more on troubleterps.com, which is our website where you find all our uh, episodes with uh, the three of us and all our wonderful guests that we've had over time. It's quite a few now. If you look at the, there's a yeah. guests page on our website as well, where you can see all the people that we've recorded shows with. It's it's quite yeah. uh, quite interesting, I must it's say. Who's who of the language industry? Exactly, so exactly. Um, all the information for the live event is on troubleterps.com slash live. And of course, you can find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at troubleterps. And on Facebook, we're also just troubleterps. Or you can just search for troublesome terps. And that's it for today. Um, wherever you go this summer or wherever you go after you listen to this episode, safe travels and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I'm fine. I'm just going to enjoy my life. No, that's not how it works. <laughs>